you tell me a little bit about Mather first? Like, what what does it kind of look like? Um, you know, how big a hospital is it? Mather is a 248-bed community hospital. This is Kathleen Long. She's a nurse manager at Mather Hospital. Here's where that is in the hospital hierarchy. We have a CNO. Dr. Mulligan is our CNO. She's the chief nursing officer. Okay. Okay. And then under her is nurse managers. I am the nurse manager on 3 South. I oversee all of the nurses, nurses' aides, unit secretaries Mm -hmm. on 3 South. And underneath the nurse manager, there's registered nurses. And my name is Noel Mancini, and I'm a registered nurse um, at Mather on 3 South. The reason we reached out to Long and Mancini is that 3 South... We're the first COVID unit that they opened up, so anybody prior to this, um, we moved off the floor. So any kind of medical patient, uh, we shut down our orthopedic service. Um, So now we have all COVID and rule-out COVID patients. It's been about a month of this for Long and Mancini and the other nurses at Mather. And now Mather is even more the center of the crisis, with COVID patients being transported in from other hospitals in the Northwell network around the region. So the three South nurses have been seeing the full brunt of this from early on. Unfortunately, this is an unknown pandemic. We've never seen anything like this. I've been a nurse for 30 years, and we have never seen anything like this. I'm Mark Chisano, and this is Episode 7 of Newsday Opinion's Life Under Coronavirus podcast. We started this project to document how Long Islanders were responding to COVID-19 and helping others, and also to put together an oral history of this period, particularly for those on the coronavirus front lines, to give us a window into what they're seeing behind the hospital doors. The stories from Long and Mancini are being repeated all around New York. That doesn't make them any less harrowing. By the way, I should say here, full disclosure, I knew Mancini before we talked for this episode. I went to pre-K with her sister, and I reached out over Facebook. But I appreciate that she and Long took the time to speak with us, because I'm not sure the public has a full picture of the courage and kindness nurses like them are displaying every day. For starters, it's just busy now. Hour after hour, blaring loudspeaker alarm after blaring loudspeaker alarm. Oops, sorry. Oops, sorry. That's okay. Rapid Are you kind of on that unit straight through for how many hours? Yes, um, 12 and a half hour shifts. Long, too. The copy's been here pretty much seven days a week, you know, trying to help the staff to support them because every day is something new with this, but there's a new challenge. The unit has gotten fuller and fuller. And at first it was everybody had a single room. And as we kind of ramped up with this unfortunate pandemic, uh, we now are doubled in most of our rooms unless they are truly single rooms. Mancini now has more patients. It was five to six, but now it's been six to seven, and it might even go up to t- as high as ten because mm-hmm. our resources are spread thin as far as um, nurses. So thinking about that is very overwhelming, to t- you know, to go from taking care of six patients, or five or six, to possibly ten. Mancini talked about how her day goes now. So um, typically I'll come in, I receive my assignment of patients, um, I'll look them up on the computer to try to look up their orders and get to know a little bit about them. Now with the coronavirus, we're trying to, you know, wait until we need to go into the room um, before we go in because we're trying to limit exposure. So I might so not you- go in and see my patient as readily as I did in the past. On our floor... Um, all of the doors are closed, um, and the it, it takes a little bit more time because we have to place all our PPE on to go into that room. 
um, and our N95s and everything that we need to protect ourselves. So it's very, it, it's cumbersome um, and time-consuming to go in and take care of that patient. I will tell you that our administration has been very, very good as far as uh, we have baby monitors now. Uh, we Everybody's phone is free so that we call them and we say, hi, it's Kathy, I'm coming into the room to give you your 2 o'clock medicine. Is there anything that you need while we're coming in so that once we put in that PPE, we're going in. The types of patients they see are in a sort of middle zone of COVID. We're not really triage. We're keeping them until they're well or they're well enough and positive to go home or they're negative and we can send them out of here. Got it. So is it a kind of middle zone then before, like, it's, you know, you're not, they, they clearly have, they're, they're not doing well, but they're not in the mm-hmm. ICU yet? Yeah. 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 They're more stable than the ICU, but they're still very sick. Yeah. Some patients are talking to each other in doubles if they're alert enough. Some are too unresponsive to communicate. And some people deeply feel how alone they are. And the only person to talk to is the nurse who's equipped with a hospital phone. You know, they're very sick. You know, we have the system that they're calling us on the phone. Some of them will just, you know, I had a woman that was a little bit confused. She just was kind of calling my phone all day just to, like, say hello. You know, and I felt like it was very cute, but I, I felt bad that they're kind of in the rooms with the doors shut. They can't see their families. Um, you know, they're a little bit isolated, but, you know, we're trying to make that better. Then there's even more difficult conversations. I spent about 45 minutes with a patient the other day saying goodbye to his daughter. And that wow. was on my phone um, on FaceTime. It was the patient's last call. Yeah, the patient was dying. And he did. And, and we, have did. A no, we have, an, unfortunately, a no-visitor policy right now. So, you know, the daughter knew that he was surrounded by as much love as we could give him. And we were able to FaceTime her. And this, this gentleman was a music director for many years, so she sang to him. Wow. Wow. And you're, you're, you're sitting there, standing there on your own personal phone for 45 yeah. minutes? The hospital has been deploying a tablet system that can do things like FaceTime for patients without using nurses' phones. Long and Mancini sounded really excited about it, the way that the tablet would help them communicate with their patients, too. So the patient could, for example, explain clearly, hey, I need some water, or I'm having trouble breathing, I need help. That tablet can do other amazing things, Long said, like allow patients to surround themselves with photos of family and friends. Before that, the nurses would sometimes use personal phones, like Long was saying. And you're, you're, you're sitting there, standing there on your own personal phone for 45 yeah. minutes? Most of us have until this technology came um, about. We have been using our own personal phones, putting them in plastic, FaceTiming family members to make difficult decisions, to say goodbye, to just see their loved one, to make sure that they know that they're okay, make sure that they're being loved while they can't come in. How, how, what did that feel like for you? I mean, to, to, you know, be the last person with this, with this, it was a man, a woman? Uh, this was a, this was a, a gentleman. Yeah. Um, it, it, it makes you sad, but I think it's probably the greatest part of my job. How so? Um, just give me one second. Yeah. He's getting a little emotional. No, no rush that we have that capability to, I, 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 I'm going to tell you, Mark, I think nursing is a calling. I don't think, I, is there people that go into it for other reasons? Yes. But for the most of us, it's a calling. And uh, so I, I think where we've been most affected with the emotional part. I mean, we could do clinical, we could do a lot, but it's the emotional part now. 
you know, the, um, the isolation of these poor patients, you know, and we try not to, unfortunately, make it as isolated, but, you know, no family members, no loved ones. So it is probably the greatest part that I at least get to um, do that for that person, for that family member. And they are so, so grateful. Yeah. That, and so this, that this becomes one... almost the best part of my job, even though it's probably the saddest part. Yeah. And this woman was singing? This was like a daughter? She was singing to the yep. gentleman? she was singing, and she had said she had learned so much from him, and, you know, about jazz, and just about music, and, uh, you know, what a great dad he was, and, you know, who he was going to see when he went to heaven. I think wow. he wanted to meet Aretha mm-hmm. Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Not so, that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, uh, could he respond at all? Was he able to? No. The nurses of 3 South are doing what they can for their patients. They give them arts and crafts bags to try to keep them occupied, and they try to get to know them a little bit. I think when we go in, we try to learn about the patient a little bit more, like how many grandchildren do you have, do you have a pet at home, Um, because I think it comforts them when we do go into the room. They also try to take care of themselves. They said they have enough personal protective equipment, like N95 masks, but they're also conserving it. We're definitely trying to preserve them, but we, I feel like we do have enough to be protected, and I feel protected going in the room. I, I think the N95, you know, can last a very long time if they're not soiled, so we're putting them in a, ba- um, a paper bag, and, you know, we are putting a surgical mask on top of them to keep them clean. So I do feel like we have enough, but we have to preserve or we overrun out, so that's how we're preserving. Right. Do you, um, how, how long does an N95 mask last? Like, do you use one per day, or is it more or less? Um, it's, I've, we, I've had the same one for two weeks, over two weeks now. It's not ideal, but I, it's, I think someone actually spoke to the manufacturer, and they are able to be used multiple times. They're being careful to be as clean as possible when they go home. I leave my shoes in my car, and then I'll kind of, I'll take all my clothes off in my garage and put them in a the garbage bag, and I'm putting a towel on, and then I run up and, like, shower immediately and wash my hair. So I, and I pretty much leave all my belongings, you know, in my car or on the unit if I can. Long does a similar thing. I do the same, Mark. Um, um, however, I'm married, so, but my husband has not been staying in the same room as me. Mm. He's down the hall, and although that we do, mm-hmm. I do go into the den. I, after I shower, I do go into the den for a little while to maybe watch TV with my family. We are you know, spread apart enough that I'm keeping them safe um, from anything that I might still have on me. Um, and then for the most part, because I'm here between 12 and 14 hours a day, I head to bed pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Mm-hmm. Not exactly much downtime. Sometimes you miss the physical contact. It's difficult because sometimes you just need a hug at the end of that terrible day and you can't do that. But right. I think that's what kept our three South family together is that, you know. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah, I mean, even something as silly as somebody made a hat. They have these sort of solidarity hats they've been wearing under protective gear. Other hospital staff have been boosting their spirits, too. When we first became the COVID floor, all of the other units came to our floor, out, of course, outside of our doors. And we have, you know, windows and they covered our windows with hearts and notes and everything that said, mm-hmm. you got this. You're three south strong. We love you. Um, and that came from just our sister unit, which right there just made our day. Do you have any um, 
advice to people or like a message that you'd want to tell people about what you're seeing, you know, and what, what you want them to be doing? I think that it, the advice that I would give is to stay strong, um, is to see the good in people, to see the good in the community and the people that you're working with, and that's going to keep you going every day. Um, I think we have to be thankful for everything that we do have and, and look at the glass always half full and appreciate each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, we need to, again, stay strong and, you know, make sure you ask for help if you need it and make uh, sure you're safe. Uh, Oops, sorry. Uh, sorry. That's okay. Attention. Rapid response. Three north. Third floor. Attention. Rapid response. Sorry about that. That's okay. What did that mean? What was that? Okay, so rapid response um, is a change in status. Um, So anything, a blood pressure decreasing, a patient having trouble breathing. And um, this was instituted many, many years ago, um, uh, not when I was a 30-year nurse. We had a code blue and that was it. We, We didn't have. So a rapid response is a team that comes um, to the bedside in any kind of change. Most of our rapid responses in this last three weeks have been for intubation. Is that what that was, probably? I don't, I don't know. No, we don't know. Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. north, right, yourself. Yeah, so. gone another yeah. unit. Mm-hmm. What was that? Was that a phone that was going over, or was it sort of the loudspeaker or something? The loudspeaker. Yeah, it, yeah we dial, we hit either a rapid response button in the room, or we dial 3333, it goes to emergency in the operator, mm-hmm. and she sounds it overhead, so everybody that's on the rapid response team Respond and everybody on the unit know what to, knows what to do, such as bring the code card, bring the respiratory supplies, mm-hmm. things like the chart. You'll have the respiratory therapist, the PA come, the team of, you know, everyone come to the, help the patient. Yeah. How, how is that deteriorating is that the or change? Uh, oh, no, sorry. I was just gonna say, is that the soundtrack for you guys? Like, do you hear all that all day long? Yeah. Yeah, definitely multiple times a day. Thanks for listening to Life Under Coronavirus. If you know of someone we should be covering or you want to share your own experience about coronavirus in New York, leave us a voicemail with your name and phone number at 631-213-1543. That's 631-213-1543 with your message to the Opinion Department's Life Under Coronavirus podcast. We may use your message as the basis for a future episode. Amanda Ficina is our producer. And once again, I'm Mark Chisano from Newsday Opinion. Stay healthy. See you next time.